Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to be continuing our identity series. We hope that you've been following along and doing your reflections and thinking about who you are. Uh, Today, we're actually going to be talking about New York City, which is where Sasha and I uh, were born and raised. Well, before we get into that conversation, though, you know, we got to do our check in. So, Boo, how are you today? Hello. Um, I'm I'm good. I'm not gonna lie. It's funny because this is a it's a check in, but um, a part of me doesn't feel like a true New Yorker because you said New York City, and I feel like I'm supposed to make mad noise. I'm like, yeah, and like, <laughs> and get all loud and shit. But I'm like, yeah, New York. Um, <laughs> that's that's where I'm at right now. Um, overall, I'm good. This week has been better in terms of. Uh, communicating with people I think when I communicate with people my anxiety just goes down it's not just a communication piece it's the being understood Mm. I think that's when my anxiety just like it's it goes down and I feel good and I'm like all right I it's okay we're different but at least we understand each other um yeah that's me that's how I get happy how about you boom how you doing that's actually a good uh a good thing to bring up like the piece about communication and how important it is because I think we take communication for granted all forms of communication verbal physical and a lot of times it can clear up so many things I feel like that would actually be a really great episode idea (laughs) to talk about communication and and how that affects things so I know that I have a lot of crazy thoughts that I make up in my head because I'm not communicating so I'm sure I'm not the Mm. only one so for me I just been needing rest. I'm just tired. I feel like I'm kind of like, you know, pushing myself on that last like quarter tank of gas, which is funny that I'm making a car reference because I'm a New Yorker who doesn't know how to drive because I live in New York <laughs> and I don't need to know how to drive. <laughs> but yeah, like, like a car, like you're just like hoping that you can make it to your final destination on this quarter tank of gas. Uh, that's how I'm feeling right now. First of all, if you're, I don't know about anywhere else in the, in the, in the world period, whoever owns a car. But all I can tell you is that quarter tank of gas is enough for me for the day. And I'm that kind of person that will fucking, I'll push it to like, even when the gas tank says it's empty, I'm like, no, no, no. They just tell you that. Um, (laughs) I don't believe it. Like I will keep pushing it. And I think it's funny. Yeah. I think that, that it probably comes from our New York, like mindset, right? Like you push, push, push until you don't have any more energy to give uh, because, what the hell else are you going to do? And I mean, I think we can literally just jump right into to the episode. Because I think for me, where the tired is coming from is that the hustle and bustle of being a New Yorker. Like, New York City, they say it's the city that never sleeps. And it truly is the city that never sleeps. Like, New York City, if you want to party, literally 
all night, you can party all night. First of all, most clubs don't close till four, which I realize is very different from other places. Like even when I went to California for my birthday one summer, the club closed at two, which I'm a grandma. So that was perfect for me. I'm like, all right, we're done. Like, but you, but, but even think about thinking about like New York culture, like here, you don't get to the club till like one in the morning. Right, so you have to like. <laughs> so you have to be. That's why they do free before eleven because ain't nobody at the club at eleven. <laughs> Yo, but it's so real. So I remember I, I I did talk about going clubbing early in my life. I started when I was fifteen. So at fifteen, yo, I could I could have gone all night, and then I would do that where I'd have to go to work the next day, and mm. it was fine. But like I remember my ass would be getting ready like at twelve forty five. <laughs> and my ex would be like, are you ready yet? And I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. Because if you get there at 1.30, I mean, you're still going to have a good time. Because you have about, um, I suck at math, two and a half like hours, Two and a half right? hours, yeah. Two, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, two That's and a half hours. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it it truly is enough time. Because if you wanted to find an after party after that, you New York City is definitely the place where you can find the after party. Or I will say like within the circles that I ran, usually it was like, all right, it's four in the morning now, like we got to go eat. You know, yep. like, 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 let's find that 24 hour diner. Let's go through that drive through. Let's, you know, like, let's get some food. Let's get something to soak up all that alcohol before we go to bed and wake up the next day with the hangover. Um, So that's party culture. But which is I, I feel but like it's New York culture. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, But I also feel like as as we say, the city that never sleeps, I feel like when it comes to work, and opportunities and just the kind of person you need to be in New York City or the culture that we've created for success is it feels similar to even the party culture because it's like you're just going to keep going and going and going and going until it's four in the morning and it's like all right let me just grab a quick snack go to sleep and wake up the next day and of course I personally am not staying up till four in the morning for work but it's more so a metaphor of you got to keep going until you feel accomplished until you feel that things are done like there's no such thing as breaks or stopping for lunch like everything needed to be done yesterday so you're already late if you're doing it today I you know I feel that in my soul because I still have those like because there's this part of me that's trying to counteract that understanding that that's not healthy because that shit is mad stressful and then when your body's in a stressed state you know you're you're less productive as an overall in the long term right because then you're gonna crash and burn just like that car, like, and it did happen to me one time where I turned, the, I tried turning the car and that shit did not go on. I had to walk to the gas station, <laughs> buy the bucket for the gasoline, oh, right? And then no. manually put it in. But that's what my ass gets for pushing it, right? So, you know, I think in both ends, whether you're pushing your body or you're pushing your car, like sometimes when you push yourself to the max, like, you know, it's not a good idea. But then I feel like being, growing up in New York, especially, had like it just put this idea in my head like go hard or go home right and there's nothing it's hard to talk about it because I have a lot of love for it right like because it taught me a lot but at the same time like yo that's some unnecessary shit that you're doing to yourself so working and I know people who will work 16 17 hours during in the day and they are so proud of it and I'm like okay great call me when you're 45 and you can't do it anymore it's it's weird like I it's this weird relationship that I think we have with our city. 
You know what's funny, though? This week, a coworker of mine actually shared this new concept with me that I had actually never heard of, but it relates directly to what it is that we're talking about. She had shared a picture, and I was like, girl, you didn't have to come for my neck like that. I was like, why do I feel attacked? Because this, this hits home. But she shared uh, the concept internalized capitalism. So I do want to mm-hmm. uh, take a second to read a little bit from this Forge Medium article um, that's called Seven Methods for Recovering from Internalized Capitalism. And we can add the link to the description for the episode for those who would like to take the time to read it on your own. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I just want to really talk about what internalized capitalism is. So internalized capitalism is a revision of the Protestant work ethic, explains Brooklyn-based psychotherapist Nikita Banks, (laughs) author of, I know, Brooklyn Everywhere. Let's go. We're going to talk about Brooklyn. Don't worry. I got (laughs) y'all. So uh, Nikita Banks, author of Finding Happy, It is the idea that to be unproductive is sin. And as such, this idea that you must always be producing is in direct relation to your worthiness. Um, And we've all internalized capitalism to a certain degree. So I don't want to, you know, like, even if you're not a New Yorker, I'm sure there's a part of you that has internalized this capitalism because it is a U.S. phenomenon. I think it just, for me, it feels like it's intensified here in, in New York. So just one last piece. Internalized capitalism is rooted in white supremacy, says Marvin Tolliver, a therapist at the Radical Therapy Center and co-founder of Melanated Social Work. See my people, Brooklyn, social workers, we out here telling y'all about (laughs) internalized capitalism. Just because I'm silent, it does not mean I'm not rolling my eyes. (laughs) She sure is. The fact that we individually have such a connection to our work, how much we can produce and how much money we can make is extremely problematic. Tying it back to white supremacy, to capitalism and to race and racism is really helpful for my clients. So, yeah, I think that it is a U.S. phenomenon when you're thinking about white supremacy and things like that. But like I said, I do feel like New York City has another level of this because this is literally the city of opportunities you can yeah there's there's so many things that you can do you want to you know pursue a music career you want to pursue acting you want to pursue your you know corporate america job whatever this is the city there's so many things to do so many people here it's a great opportunity to network and people come here from all over the u.s and the world to realize their dreams in the city You know, yeah, and I think that that speaks to, so it's not just that, you know, this is a place of opportunity. I feel like this place has opportunity because of the fact that, A, we're open all the time. B, there's so many different kinds of people. And C, like, it just has this idea, like, you know that saying, like, this has been around for longer than we've been alive. Like, you know, New York is the place. If you make it, you can make it anywhere. And, like, I get it now. Like, when I was younger, like, there was pride in it. Like, yeah, 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 you can make it anywhere. But now I'm like fuck if you make it here you could really make it anywhere because in the times that I've gone out of New York City if if it's even if it's within the United States there's always always even like in a big city it's just way more chill like it's so and like maybe the people there find it stressful but yo like for me I'm like yo y'all living out here I love it (laughs) like I could breathe I could breathe. I don't have to feel rushed. I don't have to walk through service, holding hands like they're a chain uh, trying to block you from making it to work on time. 
and this is pre-pandemic, obviously, but still, like, it's just, there's so much going on in this city. Like, it's it's literally like a rat maze mm. just to get to your job. So I think that the the way we've, and I, I don't know. I don't know when this culture was established, but the culture that is here, it just pushes you to keep going, going and going. And it'll it, like, yo, it could really break somebody. I think like, I feel like people like you and me, we, you know, I, I think we're resilient. And then there's also that added piece where, well, we got to do something. Cause we'll, you know, if we go back to the first gen, like we want to, we want to, mm-hmm. you know, keep progressing. Like, so how you're going to have to do it. Like it's mind over matter at that point. And I think that that is like a really, so this is my weird love hate relationship with New York, because as much as I know that it doesn't do me well, that lesson, those lessons, that education that I got from living here and going, getting my education, trying to get a career, working, paying rent, doing all that stuff while still partying. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> you know, like it teaches you something. It's like, yo, like that is something that it's kind of like hitting a point in your life where you, you level up and then you go somewhere else and like, yo, you could easily do it because the culture is not the same. Right. No, I agree. And I think that, um, it reminds me of the internalized capitalism because I think that there is a certain degree where you want to participate in this society, which is a capitalist society, but where do you find that that balance? Because one of the, uh, and this was not in the article, um, this is just an image that my coworker shared with me. It says here, it's from Therapy with Lee. So I guess if you in go, um, Google internalized capitalism looks like at Therapy with Lee, It says feeling guilty for resting, which I absolutely feel that all the time because I'm like, if everyone else is hustling and bustling and I rest, they're going to get ahead of me. They're going to get the opportunities that I wasn't able to, you know, to to get to. Your self-worth is based on doing well in your career. And I will say I am absolutely struggling with that right now, especially with the pandemic. And I don't remember if I shared this on the podcast or not, um, but feeling like the the effects of the pandemic have made me very emotional and it's hard to show up and I feel like I'm gonna get fired I'm like nervous like all of these fears because that's how you show up in this city and that's also I feel like even the culture at our job yeah I think that yo like literally I think that is any job in New York City like I can't I've never worked outside of New York but I like I said I have said this before I've had a lot of jobs in my life and in not one of those jobs, like regardless of what I was doing, did I ever have a moment where I'm like, this is so nice and chill. I mean, work, you know, I was about to say it though. Work shouldn't be chill. That's internalized that, capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> you like, I, there you go. There's this idea that if you're chilled, yeah, you're not doing enough. And so I would say for me, I, in the past year or so, I've really been consciously telling myself to relax and that it is okay to relax before there was this like my energy level my anxiety was on high and like even if I tried going to sleep there was no way I could go to sleep because my mind was on the next thing that I had to do I've really I've literally had to train myself to undo that and say okay it is okay that you are not working right now it is fine the work is going to be there when you get back so go to sleep (laughs) don't think about your work it's you're not you know you're not superwoman right it's it's hard it's hard because it 
in those moments and then you see somebody else in your job or you know one of your friends being productive as hell and you're like, fuck, what am I doing with my life? And then you forget that you have a master's degree. You forget that you have all this experience. You forget the the way you're showing up and how good it is. All you see is what you're not doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I yeah, I'm still c- consciously working against that that narrative. So just to really quickly finish the list, placing productivity before health, believing that hard work equals happiness, feeling lazy, even when you're experiencing pain, trauma, or adversity, which kind of speaks to what you were saying a little earlier about, you know, like when you're feeling anxiety and things like that, Uh, and using busyness as a way to avoid your needs. Because let me tell you, when COVID hit, and I was at home, alone with my thoughts and I I live alone and I I had always felt like I was someone who I did I did sometimes consciously avoid certain thoughts or situations that I didn't want to deal with but when you're literally home day in and day out you have no choice but to sit with your thoughts and I realized how keeping busy had helped me avoid so many things like what am I doing? Who am I? How did I get here? All of these questions started flooding in. And I remember when the pandemic first started, I was like looking for a project. I was looking to to renovate, like not really renovate, just to kind of upgrade my apartment because I needed something to keep me busy because I had been so used to busy. One, just because that's who we are, especially here um, as New mm. Yorkers. But two, because it does kind of help you focus on something else besides the the things that are important so I hope that by listening to this podcast we all take a little pause and do that work but um but yeah I think this is absolutely 100% New York culture and I think that I feel conflicted because I'm so happy that I have this hustle and this drive and I know like I know what I can do I know what I can achieve like I know what I'm capable of and then at times I struggle to kind of like shut it down. So it is, it is a bit of an internal conflict for me. So I'm going to become a little bit of a therapist. Um, Uh, uh (laughs) because as you were talking, I started, (laughs) (laughs) I started noticing not, not just necessarily for you, but for people who feel this way, like I started noticing how in our minds it's, I think just us as human beings, we tend to do this thing that it's either very black or white Mm. it is, or it isn't right. And I was like, well, why can't, why can't we just rest? And I think it's because it's exactly what we are talking about here on this podcast. It's the things that we weren't taught. I don't think that a place like New York, especially coming from where we come from, because we don't have, we, we knew that we didn't want to stay where our parents Mm -hmm. started. So like there's this pressure and then there's this another, there's another added pressure just from the city, which gives opportunity. Like, right. I'm not going to deny that, but there's also a huge inability or just resistance to acknowledging that this is not healthy all the time. Right. And I think that there has to be some kind of balance and we got to bring it back. So once we start toning it down a little bit, we feel guilty because we weren't told that it's okay to take a break. We're told either you're in or you're out. And if you're not in, you're not doing anything good. And as I'm talking at you, like I could hear a lot of people that I know from my past. And even now that I still speak to, they just, 
they're so proud of themselves when they're productive and they literally will push their feelings aside. And like, they have this like, nah, I'm not going to let that bother me. And I'm like, you just wait until it's going to happen. I promise you. Cause I've seen it happen as a therapist. I it's happened to me and I've seen it happen to grown ass men <laughs> and grown ass women sitting in my chair. Well, you know, it's rented space, but it was mine at the time. Uh, <laughs> crying to me, telling me like, I don't know where this is coming from. And I'm like, yo, I could tell you where it's coming from. Right. <laughs> but it's just now they have to acknowledge so much shit. It's going to it's gonna creep up sooner or later. So I do think it's okay to not be black and white and just realize that, yo, sometimes you really do need a break. And I'm not talking about, because I feel like, I don't know about anywhere else, but there's this culture, especially now with social media. Like when you take a break, that shit's even work. Like, no, (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to plan a long ass extensive vacation and keep having, you know, you're stimulated on high all the time. Like your body's going to be affected one way or another for sure. Yeah. I also feel like social media, I don't want to get into it too much, but just really quickly, I feel like social media, like it's also like keeping up with the Joneses. And I feel like it's keeping up with the Instagram models. It's keeping up with like the facade that you have to put on social media. And it's like, I have to work hard. I have to, you know, get this overtime so I could buy that car so I could, you know, buy that dress so I could be out, you know, at, at the car, at the club, you know, in the fancy car and blah, blah, blah. So I think that's also uh, a huge, a huge piece of it. But I think like what the capitalism piece also reminds me of, because I was thinking like, oh, this is reminding me of like our first gen conversation and how our parents really wanted us to work hard because we saw them work hard. Right. But I think Mm -hmm. it also brings up the issue of social class and social class is something that is very interesting here in New York City because you just see people from you see everywhere from homeless people to one percenters all in the same city sometimes like shoot in the same train car uh (laughs) it depends on the line though that's that's how you know the distinction yes yes it's usually the green line that's absolutely true but yes, I think that social class was a big one for me. I think New York City is an interesting place because you can realistically exist in your neighborhood, in your bubble with your people that are of the same either racial, cultural, ethnic, or social background as you. So I grew up um, in Sunset Park, which is not used to anyone who's been listening to this podcast. <laughs> you know, like in, in Sunset Park, everyone there was working class. But I remember that I lived, you know, Sunset Park is between Park Slope and Bay Ridge along the R train line. And I remember like, and and this is interesting because um, when you ride the train, you can kind of see all of the different social classes. And I'll let uh, Sasha talk about that because she has a really interesting um, anecdote about that. But we lived between Park Slope and Bay Ridge. And I remember like... Sunset Park didn't have too many, like, attractions or things to do. We had a bowling alley and a park, but that was it. So you would kind of have to go to Park Slope or to Bay Ridge to do different activities or to go shopping, like, in a mall or or things like that. And I remember... I would When I was little, I would go to Bay Ridge and I'd be like, I want to live in Bay Ridge one day because it meant being someone of middle class or higher. And that was kind of, like an interesting distinction to make as a, as a kid that I was like, I want to move to this neighborhood because that means that I've like upgraded in social class or 
when I would go with my mom to work, my mom used to sell um, wholesale, like clothing in like 34th Street, like in that area. Then they still sell a lot of wholesale. There's like still a lot of shops in that area. But I remember getting on the train with her and thinking, I want to live in Bay Ridge and I want to have a job where I can wear a pantsuit or something like that, because that meant being of a higher social class, that meant having money, like that meant having made it and it was interesting to to see it but I only saw it if I left my neighborhood and I feel like something that I've noticed about um some New Yorkers is that you could realistically exist in your little bubble in your little neighborhood and never leave and never experience the rest of New York City. Oh yeah, I know people who literally have never if the train's too far. I used to work in a place uh where the train was a little under a mile away and i i would see people i would see clients who literally never left their their area for years they were almost my age wow. and i it would astound me because like we live in new york where it's so accessible right like it's mm-hmm. so but that's the thing though it's so easy i feel like that's also what's confusing about new york and what you're talking about with social class because it's so easy to take a train into the city it's so easy to Take a train to the 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 train line where there's like wealthier people, mm-hmm. right? Like Upper East Side. Um, you know, the, first of all, it changes. Second, the train is just way cleaner. But usually, when like let's say you go to a different city, yeah, you have it's not as uh, blended. So mm. I I feel like there's a little more distinction, right? Like so, like here, you know, especially with gentrification, like you can I know Crystal and I talk about this a lot. Mm. Like you can literally be in a neighborhood and then turn the block, all of a sudden you're in the hood, but then you go left instead of making that right. And then you're back in the affluent part of the city. Right. So it's really strange how like it's always in your face and it's so it, the the lines are really, really blurred. And yeah, as a kid, like I remember feeling like I want this, I want to level up to that. I want to, you know, have a car one day. Cause in Queens, you always need a car. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Queens. Cause we all have our damn license. Unlike the rest of the boroughs. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You just hate him. (laughs) I could drive. (laughs) Um, Always pick me up whenever we go places. So (laughs) this is so true. I always pick her up. But with love, <laughs> if it wasn't for me and living in Queens, I we wouldn't be have a way of seeing each other. We'd have to Uber, and that's just that's, that's expensive. Um, I'm still out here. I live that frugal life. So <laughs> I um I don't know. I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, uh, uh, turn the corner, and you can be in an Apple oh. neighborhood. Yeah. So even when I was little, like I remember what I wanted to level up to, and there was always this. It felt easy too, like living in New York. I think that's also the appeal to it. Like it feels like, yo, I could do this. And the reality is that, yeah, you can do it. But guess what? You have. I really do believe that this internalized capitalism is really prevalent within New York City because you have to live that lifestyle. You have to almost accommodate to it completely in order to move up. And I can, pff, I have a story. I know that I that this is exactly what I did um, to make it through school. Like, I remember I had a whole year where I had absolutely no damn breaks mm. in my schedule. I remember. I had something like, similar, too. Yeah. And, like, that that's how you got to do it if you want to move up. Yes, it's possible. But what if, you, what if you're physically incapable of doing that? That's it. You're, like, kind of, like, X'd out mm-hmm. of the love of opportunity a little bit. So that's my love-hate for New York. <laughs> yes. Um, it's an interesting place. I also feel like a funny thing about New Yorkers is if you grew up here, you've almost barely visited any of the major 
like sites like i've had to be very intentional about like okay let's go see that because it's like literally in your backyard but i think you take it for granted because it's like oh well i can go next weekend or i can go you know whatever it doesn't have the same allure but i think also when it comes to uh the class the social class thing what for me what also comes up is the diversity piece because let me tell you you know, Sunset was sandwiched between two uh, more middle-class neighborhoods, but those middle-class neighborhoods were white for the most part. But I think that there is a beauty to to New York City because of the fact that we have people from all different cultures. When I tell you, like, I, I'm I feel like almost every country is represented here in New York City, and I think it's one of the most beautiful beautiful things uh just because you kind of hmm? sorry to interrupt but um don't you mean queens that every country is represented oh here we go (laughs) y'all like i feel like these beasts (laughs) no but you can't i'm sorry you can't you can't start talking about diversity if you're not even gonna shout out queens from the beginning all right fine do you not know right this will be the only nice thing I have to say about well I don't know it's it's just it's a very true thing and but I think it it, it exemplifies it's definitely a, a huge example of queens but I think it's also a bigger anecdote or kind of like metaphor for New York City itself so I remember I was out with my best friend and his family like his wife um the baby and we were hungry so we were like oh let's go grab some fried chicken from this Korean spot so we go to the Korean spot. It's COVID. So we're like, we can't wait inside. Like, let's just go back in the car. We'll wait until the food is done and then go back inside and pick it up. As I'm waiting there, I'm, I'm in front of the Korean uh, fried chicken place, which is across the street from like a halal shawarma type of place next to an Italian deli, next to an Indian restaurant, next to an Irish pub, all in a Greek neighborhood. And I was like, you cannot find this anywhere else and this was in queens uh because my best friend lives in queens so he'd be dragging me over there but um <laughs> but i i'm I, dragging I, you whatever um uh, so it seems to me that the people you love the most are living in queens just saying oh whatever i'm you know what i'm not even <laughs> i'm just gonna i'm gonna <laughs> i'm going to just like do a little negative coping strategy i'm just gonna ignore repress not talk about it um we're just gonna ignore but yes but i think that's like the biggest most out there example of how diverse new york city is how diverse queens is. i i will that's the one thing i'll give to queens queens i think like has a little you know how we say like little italy or chinatown or so. i'm sure queens has like every fucking <laughs> country yes, represented so i'm gonna oh here we go as a very proud queens resident <laughs> Here we go. I'm just going to speak a little. I'm going to speak a little on what we have to offer. Uh, We have our borough literally speaks over like combined. We speak over 160 languages only in the borough. So imagine if you've ever been to Queens, like I'm sure, you know, the seven line. Um, Well, hopefully you do, because I know some parts of Queens are like, nah, we don't fuck with you. But trust me, like every There's something to find in every part of Queens, but I really love where I'm from because, like, I grew up along the seven line. So, like, if you start from the very, very beginning or end, depending on how you see it, you start in, like, Chinatown. So it's Main Street. And then you come into, like, this little set, like, 
Central American region, like two, two, three stops in. And you could, and like, we actually have one of the best taco spots right next to um, where my mom has her house in Corona. Um, and it's highly rated, right? And like, this is where like Arthur Ashe Stadium is. This is where City Field is. Uh, we get a lot of people coming in here in the the spring and during season like baseball season like normal times and like you see like mad white people just riding their bikes in my neighborhood like they're sightseeing which is hilarious to me but i do have a problem with that because that is the only time they clean up the park i have to put this out there because i love flushing meadow park and the only time they clean up the park is when they know tourists are coming and i have a real uh no, that that shit makes me mad. So anyway, like if you and like in each stop in on the seven, like yo, you can, it, it like literally in ten minutes you can go from Mexican food to authentic Indian food to authentic uh, Thai food, Philippine. Like there's a Filipino neighborhood, then there's like this really Irish neighborhood, and like yo, it just doesn't stop. And then like in eighty second Street, like as I as I said, it's like super, it's like little Columbia, right? You can basically get the best of a lot of worlds just within like a, a 10 minute trip, which is what I love so much about Queens. And I also have to say like growing up in Queens taught me, well, I don't know if it taught me much cause I thought it was my norm. Like it wasn't like a conscious education, but what I learned from it is that like living with people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different ethnicities, like, yo, it makes you a better person. Cause like, I wouldn't do without that at this point in time of my life. So that is why I love Queen so much. That is why it is unlike any borough and it can never measure up. Any other borough can never measure up to Queens. So you can be as hype as you want. You can love your bro as much as you want. I get it. Pride. I completely get it. I have ego too, but there's no place better than Queens. All right, so on on Instagram, hashtag Team Crystal, hashtag Team Brooklyn, hashtag, uh, team, hashtag Sasha. team Sasha, hashtag Team Queens, Jackson Heights, Corona, uh, where else? <laughs> that those are the places that I grew up, but um, but no, I mean, I think that that's the most beautiful kind of like example of of the diversity here, um, and the only good thing about Queens. But I will say. I think that when, like, when I visited other uh, cities or states in the U.S., that's the one thing I think that stands out the most to me is the lack of diversity because I grew up seeing people from all sorts of different backgrounds because you can literally have a, a culinary tour on the 7 train, <laughs> you know? Um, you go to other places and you just don't, you just don't see that. And I think it makes me sad when I go to other cities because there's a there is a part of me that as much as I love New York does want to rest for a little bit or maybe feel like you know like I think New York City taught me a lot as a kid growing up but you know maybe we don't have to continue that pattern like maybe you know wanting to grow up in a more suburban type of area you know especially when I have kids maybe not now as a single woman but it just it just makes me feel like, do I really want to go out here because of the lack of diversity, because of what you miss about learning about other people and other cultures and not just your world not being limited to just who you are and your privileges and things like that. So I'm about to ask you something real, real important. Like, this is a real question. If any place outside New York had bodegas, would you move? Absolutely, because there is like, first of all, 
<laughs> I feel like the Yo. bodega is, and there was it's funny because there was a Twitter fight about bodegas because somebody literally it wasn't even an argument about like bodegas being better, but just like how unique bodegas are. First of all, at my local bodega, I can get fresh produce. I can buy toilet paper. I can buy hot food. Like, I can buy, like, actual prepared food. I can get a bacon, egg, and cheese. One word, by the way, bacon, egg, and cheese. Don't separate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, batteries, whatever it is that I need. Like, I can literally go to the bodega, buy a prepared meal, or buy the ingredients to make a prepared meal. And it's literally right around the corner. So, I, I be rolling up in my chanclas in the summer with my... <laughs> with my pajamas and my town class I'm like there's no other place like New York City and their bodegas and there's a bodega I have if I just walk down like my block like I live on a on the street like if I walk like from from one avenue down four avenues I have at least one two three four five six about seven bodegas that I'd hit but every bodega offers something different. Every bodega has their loyal customers. Every bodega got a cat, or mostly all the bodegas got a cat, who is the manager of the establishment. Okay, so respect the cat. But yep. yeah, I think it's it's the most unique place. And I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, but 7-Eleven. Oh, like, no. Ew, There's no. magic to bodegas. There's definitely magic to bodegas. I have. It's funny because I have a, a 7-Eleven real close to me i have one two two bodegas literally within like a two minute walking distance from where i'm currently living and i have like a kind of it's it's interesting because like like because i'm in queens i don't know about anybody else i can't speak for any other borough but because i'm in queens like i'll have like the mexican bodega and then i'll have like the dominican bodega oh yeah see because every bodega is different it's magic and you get different things there so it's like i like, I I really do feel that if I were to, like, let's say, you know, we you move to Pennsylvania or Connecticut or even Jersey. I mean, I feel like I'm going to end up in Jersey one day. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, where, you know, like, I need my bodegas. Like, I need it to be one in the morning and I need to know that, you know, whoever owns the bodega is going to be up and running because he knows his people need stuff. Right. It's so real, though. It really is the city that never sleeps. And I don't know if I could give that up. Yes, it'll be more comfortable. Yes, I'll have more space. Yes, it'll be cheaper. I'm just so used to having access to things that I want at all times of the day. And that's really hard to let go of for me at this point in time of my life. Some other things that come up for me, <laughs> besides the beauty of bodegas, uh, when I think about New York City is we're rude. Yo. We're loud. We're rude. We are. And yo, you be on the train having a whole ass anxiety attack. And I am not speaking from experience in any way. Um, just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> having a whole anxiety attack. And no one gives a shit. Like, no. <laughs> I've gone to other places and people say hi to me. And I'm like, hi? Like, why are you speaking? I think they have the worst <laughs> intentions. Like, yo, you gonna you want to kill me and rape me, don't you? Like, like don't fucking. <laughs> oh my god! I get so weirded out when people are like overly nice, and I'm a nice. I think I'm a nice person. I laugh because I just thought about all the people who are like, get the fuck out of here. You're not nice. Um, <laughs> I I think I'm a nice person. I think I have a good heart. 
when you, first of all, when a New Yorker goes out of New York, everyone can tell you're a New Yorker. There's just something about us that like are, and for real, I'm going to go back to the train, but have you ever, like, especially for drivers, like when you leave, even in Long Island, like people are mad nice. They wait, they stop me along at the stop signs. Like, yo, like I get so irritated when people drive slow and like, I definitely bring that New York energy everywhere else I drive. But going back to the train, I have definitely had a whole crying session with my eyes down knowing that the minute I look up, someone's going to lock eyes with me because that's how close you are to people. So I better, you know, and as long as my eyes are down, everyone's going to respect my fucking space, even if we have like two inches keeping us apart on the train. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Like, I'm never going to see these people again. Yes, or what I cried. Yes, or what I'm in my feelings. It's not like they haven't done it before. And I, I don't, there's just something about New York where like, yeah, no one gives a fuck. But I also think that we, I think it's wrong that we're perceived that no one gives a fuck. Because we give a fuck. Just the same way I know I'm nice. But we're just a little rough around the edges. It's more like you get pushed and then they'll look to see if you're okay. They're not going to go help you right away, right? I do think that New Yorkers have this, like, there's something about being a New Yorker that I know and I've experienced that when push comes to shove, like, yo, if you need somebody, you could definitely, like, people are going to be there for you. And we're just a little rough and raw, I think. I love how you're trying to, I love how you're trying to, like, justify uh, our behaviors. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think that when it when push comes to shove, literally, um, <laughs> you know, people do step in and people, people do care. I think it's, but I, I feel like there's just these unspoken rules. Like if someone's having a, a whole cry session in the corner on the train, like you just know not to, not to mess with them, not to talk to them. They don't want to talk to you. You pass them a tissue if you have one and then that's it. Like, you good? Yeah, you good? Okay, good. But something that it speaks to New York is that, like, yo, like, I want to help you, but I don't have time to. <laughs> Ooh. Like, unless... Because right. we're hustling Yeah, hustling. like, unless you're in, like, urgent as danger or you're really sick and you really need a helping hand, like, I will have to walk past you. Like, I remember... <laughs> I've never done this. Like, when people are on the ground, I'm like, fuck, this is serious. But, like, you... Like, think about... So, I stop a lot for people who are, like... Because, you know, in New York, you see everything. I remember one time I saw a homeless man on the um, one of the ramps and the transfers to get to my train. And I and he looked dead. He looked like he fell off his chair and he had died. <sighs> so everybody, it was during rush hour, was just walking around him. And, like, we do that so easily. And I think that that's why people think yeah. we're assholes. I think that's what it is. But we're not. Because I stopped. I stopped in, you know, representing all of New York. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was. I think it was the mental health professional in you that was like, uh, crisis. Yeah, <laughs> Do you need probably. Help? I feel like I. I feel like, like when I was thinking about this conversation, I was like, we're not that bad. And then you're talking. I'm like, mm, I might need to be a little nicer. <laughs> like now, I'm kind of questioning it. <laughs> but I do find it funny that like if someone's sick on the train everyone's pissed because now they're like oh fuck now i'm gonna be late for work they're not even yeah. worried about the person no we're not we're like fuck this motherfucker crazy. Who fucking out on the train who doesn't read the damn signs that says if you fucking feel sick stay home no but then i love that too like doesn't that shit crack you up because it's impossible to stay home as a new yorker because how else are you gonna survive yes i'm telling you we're hustling and bustling okay uh, because 
you had your ode to <clears throat> Queens. I do want to give a little love letter to Brooklyn. Dear Brooklyn. Actually, before I go into my love letter, this will be my one qualm, my one issue with Brooklyn. Well, most of New York City, I feel like. The gentrification here is insane. I feel like the Brooklyn, my beautiful, beautiful Brooklyn, that was a little gangster, that was a little ghetto, uh, that I grew up in, is not the same, it is not the same Brooklyn. I feel like Brooklyn was one of those first neighborhoods that, like, was an extension of Manhattan in terms of gentrification, and, like, Brooklyn when I tell you the places that I used to go to Brooklyn, even my neighborhood, my neighborhood in Sunset Park, like past like Third Avenue, it was like, well, well, back in the days, it was a lot of like pimps and prostitution and like adult uh, video or, or porn store. Now it's called Industry City. And I'm like, what? And no, this is Sunset Park. Thank you very much. You know, I don't want to bring back the whole like it's scary to walk on third avenue feel because that it really was scary back in the day but i i think that's the my one thing about new york city i feel like a lot of people a lot of native new yorkers have left i think because they have kind of gotten a little tired of the hustle and bustle that we've talked about i think we're still young so i think we're still like in this space where it's like all right like this is this is part of you know making it to the next step in your career and i think a lot of people have come to new york city to realize their dreams to kind of make it and do what it is that they need to do um but i do feel like that it has changed with that said i think brooklyn is still a beautiful place and brooklyn has produced some amazing people so let's start there okay thank you brooklyn for jay-z eddie murphy biggie shout outs to biggie rest in peace uh and hathaway Aaliyah, also r.i.p adam sandler barbara streisand little kim leah remini Jimmy Fallon, Rosie Perez, Rosie Perez, Rosie Perez lived across the street from where I went to school and we would see her randomly like she it was interesting anyways, <laughs> Nia Long, Joan Rivers, rest in peace, Lala Anthony and Busta Rhymes, which is actually news to me. I didn't know. Busta Yo, Rhymes I am so mad. You freaking made a whole list behind my back. I didn't <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm not done with my list, boo. I got another Yo, list. Yo, you're here acting like Queens doesn't like produce like fucking famous people, fucking celebrities, people who do good. Like, I'm just not ready. <laughs> Yo, I'm so mad. I, I won't forget about this one. Also, one of, <laughs> one of the top sites in Brooklyn alone, we have. Coney Island. Coney Island has the beach, it has the boardwalk, and it has Luna Park. So that's a three for one. Okay? Prospect Park. Brooklyn Botanic Gardens. Brooklyn Bridge Park. Brooklyn Museum. The New York Aquarium. Brooklyn Bridge. Brooklyn Heights Promenade. Internet, let's go. Don't let me down now. So, again, New York Transit Museum. Jane's Carousel. Brooklyn Children's Museum. Prospect Park Zoo. Grand Army Plaza. Domino Park, the Wonder Wheel, Brooklyn Brewery, and Lafrac Center at Lakeside Park, Prospect Park, Brooklyn, Marsha P. Johnson State Park, which shout outs to our trans activists that really made a movement in New York City. And I can keep going on, but I will not embarrass Queens any further and stop right there. But trust me, this list continues. Okay. Thank you very much. Shout outs to Brooklyn. I love you. I don't... 
I'll let you keep. Let, let's let's have a little silence for that. I love you for a dramatic feel. <clears throat> I didn't need to make a list because Queens already speaks for itself. We don't need oh, to. Yeah. We do not need this to. This is what happens when you come unprepared. Girl, came unprepared to the conversation. We said we were talking about New York, yourself, not giving okay. oats to each girl. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm talking about what it means to be a New Yorker overall. I am a team player right now. I am not just talking about oh, Queens made me, but I didn't know this is how we're going. But it's fine. I'll let you rock. <laughs> but you know what? This is a New York thing because even though, like, again, don't mess with New York City, but. You know the you know the boroughs be talking hella shit about each other. We didn't talk about Staten Island, but I feel like I don't want to ostracize our potential Staten Island listeners. But you know, people don't really got nice nice. People don't really care much for Staten Island. People got a lot of things to say about the Bronx. I'm not gonna mess with the Bronx because the Bronx is literally right there for me, and I'm not trying to get jumped um so <laughs> i'm not leaving the Bronx alone the bronx will come for you i ain't messing with the bronx man be a bx you got it you got it too <laughs> i'm not even gonna say what i feel because again i don't want to offend anybody <laughs> but whatever i'll just keep it as uh i love queens i will always love queens queens made me and like listen new york is a very special place i did all my schooling undergrad and, and my 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 grad programs within the city like yo I got to meet so many different people and this goes back to the diversity right as if I was traveling then you you know when you meet somebody from the Bronx you're like oh you do that out there oh okay I gotta go try that like (laughs) like it's just a completely different experience it's not this homogenous experience where you know you get the same thing every day like now all you have to do is get on a train get on a bus and you're literally having a whole new new experience which is why i have so much love for new york as well i will say to to wrap up the conversation besides the internalized capitalism which i do feel like is very strong in me thanks to new york with that said new york has made me a very open resilient tough person um i think that i would have still gotten a little bit of that just being a woman and being first gen but i think new york really drove that right on home i don't think that i think that new york played a big role in that i know that if i could survive here if i can find success in the city i can do it literally anywhere um i do feel like it spoiled me a bit because when i go to other places i do like i like i mentioned earlier in the episode i do not i don't like the lack of diversity in other places and i think that there's very few i don't even not even very few there's no place like new york city um when it comes to that so i do feel like i'm a little bit spoiled and that i probably will not be able to replicate this experience anywhere else i think that there's a richness to this city and i don't mean just the wealth but i think in terms of the experiences the diversity what you can get here you can create an entire life here it is on the expensive it's on the pricey side and that's also been exacerbated a little bit further by gentrification but i think if you really want it this is the place to make it happen and new york is also the reason i don't know how to drive so realistically i feel like i can't leave <laughs> because you need to know how to drive to live in another this place. is true yeah like so, so so yeah i feel like i'm stuck here but that's okay because <laughs> i love it here um i do i i feel like eventually i do see myself moving away just because i i do feel like i need a little bit quiet a little bit of break but i i don't ever want to be too too far from new york city and i will always 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 love new york 
And I think that when it comes to the identity pieces, like when I've reflected, I think that New York has been, I guess the easiest, like the easiest part of my identity to say like, this is how it's affected me and this is how it's been integrated into my life. So I think it's probably one of the favorite pieces of my identity being a New Yorker. I think that's so beautiful. I can't believe Crystal really was out here writing a freaking ode to New York and Brooklyn <laughs> without letting me know. But um, <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that. So I'm just going to say I agree with Crystal. I think that being a New Yorker is, was one of the pieces of me that I was very aware of in regards to my identity because people also like hyped it up. So then you hype it up within yourself. But I don't think if it was for me not like if if I would have lived somewhere else like I definitely have drive and I definitely am resilient on like just on an individual level but I think that New York has given me the opportunity to maneuver myself through different systems and move up you know even with my education like shout out to CUNY public schooling oh yes like if I, yeah like yo, you have the best that's what I love about New York right like it's not like these huge campuses but like a lot of like Columbia professors uh NYU professors would be adjuncts within CUNY and you were getting like top level education for you know a CUNY for price a fraction of the cost yeah mm-hmm. which I'm not and like I'm not I don't mean it like ha 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 I mean it like this is the only place that you can get that if a, a professor chooses to have like a little side gig right what I love about it is that there are a lot of resources here you just have to know how to connect yourself to them and I think that that's the hard part of New York because since we're such assholes no one's willing to stop and be like this is how you do it oh you're looking for you're looking for you know help here okay come with me we're, we're just more like why are you bothering me stop talking to but me but there's always someone I agree you're right it's about that like no one's gonna tell you you definitely have to go out and look for it but you'll you can find someone at least one person that'll help guide you and like if we talk about how New York has affected me you I am so New York when it comes to my job because my job essentially is to help people gain access to resources whether it's education whether it's like programs that are available however I always will tell people like, did you try looking for it? Did you try yourself? Because, (laughs) and that is so New York about me because I'm not going to just spoon feed it to you. You better work. You better put in the work. And I think that that is something that has been a, something that I've experienced and I've definitely owned it moving forward. Absolutely. That was also beautifully said. Thank you. Thank you for kind of. But all right, that was our episode. Thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, Please let us know what your experiences have been like. If you are a New Yorker and you're from Brooklyn, definitely send us a DM on Instagram. I never told us pod. If you're from Queens, then send us a like. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Send us the whole damn package, like balloons, teddy bears, the works. What Before we end, I do want to speak on the people, something that we didn't talk about. And I, we, me and Crystal can't talk about it because we were born here, right? But like, I'm very aware, and I'm sure Crystal is because we're talking about gentrification. Sorry, didn't mean to offend anybody. Of the people who come here and they don't, they're not natives, right? Of their experience and like, yo, how, I could literally spot one on the street what that must feel like it might you know you might love this city but like it may it could be alienating it could be it could make you feel some way like a complete different way or it could be shocking too to have to endure all this 
external stress, right? Like, and I wonder, like, I don't want to forget about the people who weren't, who aren't natives, right? Like, and how they, they've yeah. taken to New York. So, yeah. So we've adopted you. <laughs> Basically. New York has adopted you. Um, let us know about your experience or if, even if you're from, you know, California, middle of America, wherever you're from, definitely let us know how growing up in that environment has shaped you into who you are today. Again, don't forget to follow us at Never Told Us Pod on Instagram. And you can also email us at nevertoldispod at gmail.com. And as always, make sure to come back next week so we can tell you what they never told us. <laughs>